From the birthplace of modern winemaking, Sonoma, California, welcome to the winemakers. Local experts Sam Katuri, Bart Hansen, and Brian Casey, along with host John Myers, invite you to listen in as they discuss all facets of winemaking. So sit back, pour yourself a glass, and let's hear what the guys have to say this week. <laughs> Whoops. Maybe. (laughs) Forgot how to pour wine. Bart, sorry about that. That was the radiance of the (laughs) Audutet Rosé. I guess I was thinking that we should have had our... our guest, you know, maybe hum a couple of lines. Maybe you should have me crunching a cheese yeah. and cracker. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You yeah, need I'll, to like. I'll turn you off until you finish. <laughs> Give you a nice introduction. So should we like hey, hit everybody. the tuning fork so we know what note we're supposed to right. open in? That's exactly Not that I would know either way. Welcome, welcome to uh, the winemakers, everybody. Today we've got it's, it's today it's it's Bart and Sam and I, and we've got a really special guest, Mr. G Love from. Cape Cod, Massachusetts, baby. Oh, so, man, he's from uh, Philly. He's from today. Today. That's where right. Well, you, that's where you flew but, in from. You know, he... That's where he, he flew in from. Uh, no, he opens it either. Right, he opens his mouth and you're like, is it Philly or is it Mississippi? Maybe it's maybe it's both. Well, that's the name of my new record, you know, Philadelphia, Mississippi. I, I, I did. Serious. I didn't know. I know. I did. A, okay. I did. A, oh, I like that. A smidgen Thanks, more research okay. for this one than I do for it. Meaning, um, you know, me, you looked at I, my I threw G Love into Google and uh, well, look at the li- Instagram. We've yeah. been looking. We've been listening to a lot of G Love around here. I'll say oh, that. I appreciate that. So, yeah. And you you are what a nice welcome guest. Welcome to Sonoma. Thank you. It's it's uh, wonderful to be back up here in wine country and God's country. We love coming up here to visit. We just uh, we're playing. Where the hell am I playing? With Somo, <laughs> Somo, Somo in a new venue. A, yeah, in Roller Park, newish. Very cool venue. Yeah, yeah. It's it's yeah. kind of interesting because it's an old Hewlett Packard um, uh, site, and they shut it down, and they've been repurposing it. Right. It's got this grove of redwoods. Yeah. Right. And um, yeah, a very cool site. And they're doing like some real estate development on it, but like all green yeah. houses that kick back solar to the grid. So it seems like they're doing things in a good way. It looks like a, it looks like a fun venue to play tonight. And then on the way over here, uh, Bart just drove us past Hot Monk Tavern where I did like a little pop-up show, like a little acoustic intimate show a couple yeah. years back so yeah we, we get up here as much as we can and we love it well welcome that's for sure so and originally this started because i saw that you were playing petaluma i think it was back in february ah. february march and that was when i initially had sent you a message about this and then i realized that i wasn't going to be in town to see the show <laughs> so i kind of just kind of dropped it and um hit you up and you know through a series of emails we made this happen Great. today. and thank you I'm super excited to have you on it um you know i'm trying to remember where i heard that you had an affinity for love or a, an for affinity wine. for wine a love of wine a love of wine <laughs> yes um yeah. um have another glass of rosé right, exactly <laughs> Uh, what's the alcohol in this rosé? I think I need some more. It's yeah. enough. <laughs> um, and, and was it the Wine Enthusiast magazine or something? Did, did you get interviewed about wine one time? I hope so. Yeah, I think I did. Yeah. Um, but that's true, right? Like you're yeah. into wine. Well, yeah. I You know, I come from like a foodie family. Uh, my uncle was a, sh- a chef in D.C. in the 80s. And he's a big wine collector. 
My mother's chef. She taught cooking school in our house. So we were, I always say that like, you know, my mom was growing arugula before they sold arugula. Before there was, most people don't know, but there was nothing like you couldn't just buy like arugula at a store. You had to grow it and you had to get seeds from Italy or something. So she was always hip to stuff. And yeah, I was telling Bart, like my sister works for um, a guy named Daniel Jonas out of New York. They import burgundy and they do a couple big events. One's called La Pole. And one's called La Fette. So yeah. kind of celebrating the French yeah. winemaker. So yeah, we got but that being that being said, I just enjoy it. I'm I'm not like uh sommelier. I don't uh claim to really know all the technicalities, but um you know, I I love to imbibe and I love the culture. It, it, so but it was part of like growing up, was there wine on the table? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Family dinners bottle of wine on the table which yeah. that's the way it is for us as well yeah yeah cool cool <laughs> that's the way it should be that's that is family right. dinners and a couple yeah. bottles of wine man keeps that's the, yeah keeps absolutely the at the table you know? it does and it keeps it together man yeah it's like you know my my uncle i was talking about he just came up for my mom's you know 80th or 82nd birthday up to the cape they came up from dc and they bought a jerobom of 2008 i don't even know what it, what it was but that's yeah. That's our yeah, family. Yeah. <laughs> Consumers, the best type. Yeah, right. as far as salmon are consumed. More important than collectors. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. Well, my uncle was a collector, but now it's turning into you know. Yeah. Well, that's what you you collect it's... until you consume, right? Right. That's yeah. right. Or collect and consume. So when you're, first of all, there's some great little wine shops that I've found out in in Massachusetts, Cape Cod. But when you're like at, when you're at home. It's just this is the family and Kelsey and your what what bottles are you popping like what's your what's your everyday Thursday night Cape Cod lobster kind of wine choices? We'll definitely have wine, but not, probably definitely don't not have, have the lobster. lobster. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, no, we we love Pinot Noirs a lot. Um, yeah, and I mean, I guess if you were gonna say if you're gonna break it down, the two most imbibed wines in our household would be Pinot Noirs and rosés. All right. You know, rosés in the for the warm I, weather and Pinot Noir all, all year round. <laughs> I, I tried to give Kelsey a, a Kelsey's. You came here with your family; it was awesome. You're, so you're on the road all summer long, yeah. with the fam. Um, we sent them to the plaza with a bag of Vella cheese and, a, and some crackers. <laughs> tried to give her a can of our rosé, but she was being the responsible. The responsible. Yeah, that mom. was a surprise yeah. for me. I don't know who she was trying to impress, but. <laughs> So, no, but yeah, I mean, but yeah, both basically free wine. Right. <laughs> yeah. It is what tastes the best is the wine yeah, that other people do, pay for. We do play a couple of wineries, um, which are always like such awesome gigs. Actually, we played one last night. We played the uh, uh, Vino. Oh, you were, in, you were in Paso last night, right? Vino Robles. Vino yeah. Robles. Yeah. 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 Paso yeah. Robles. So they have the Vino Robles Amphitheater. Right. right. So, um, but yeah, well, I was telling Bart too, like we play an east coast winery in north stonington connecticut which is they produce wonderful uh wine um and a bunch of different varieties but uh jonathan edwards j edwards winery so we like to play there because i always get a get a free case for the show and then buy a couple cases uh for you know cost and then another gig we do regularly is at folktales winery um down the way in carmel Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Nice. And that's a nice uh, winery as well. So. I'm going to have to go to that. Uh, yeah. we, we like Carmel. We oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. It's a nice place, isn't it? Yeah. 
So, but, so wait, can I can I just interject? So absolutely. yeah, like right. So where I came from yesterday in Paso Robles, they actually is that the biggest producing region of California, or is it up here? It's it's really it's neither. It's neither. It, it, if you want to like pure volume, uh, it's the Central Valley. Oh right, okay, Central right, Valley. Like, right, okay. Um, and you know when it comes to like Napa and Sonoma, it's like. Two percent, four percent of California's wine production. Wow! So it's really not a huge amount. Paso is probably in that same kind of range for like that county. You get more when you get like north as you come in north into like Salinas and and Monterey. Uh huh. Um, but you know what they have is their they have uh, L.A. three hours away. Okay. So they have like that L.A. kind of draw um, that has led to tons of growth. I mean, there's a lot of grapes. And a lot of wine coming yeah. out of that part of the state. Yeah, right I took a drive with uh, the boys yesterday to go check the the waves and Cayucas. Uh, Ka- Ka- Cayucas. Yeah, yeah. And uh, man, I was just like, "Whoa!" There's just a ton of wineries and tasting rooms around here. I had no idea. Totally. Yeah, and Very and cool. then it's the same thing as I was telling you. There's wineries that you know are in business parks you know in warehouses and yeah you don't you know, see those. have 10 or 12 wineries under one roof right um so yeah they've had huge growth down there and um yeah you know Paso's always trying to one up sonoma, sonoma. <laughs> so we all, you know we all, we're all play. trying to rule one up everybody else. <laughs> we're all the little sibling of a certain four-letter are you guys bristling right now sorry man I no, no, no. No, how, how are the how are the waves and how are the waves looking now did you get in the ocean a little bit i, I actually got a, had a great session in san diego the other right. day so i was not able to surf yesterday but there was a swell out there i actually heard it was pretty good today but yeah um it's been pumping a big south swell has hit the California coast this week. Right. Everybody's uh, happy is, then. They're yeah. out surfing, man. Yeah, man. <laughs> you know, you talk about the wine industry up here. I think Sonoma, don't they say that wine and travel and restaurants and things, $40 billion a year wow. out of Sonoma. Napa is probably twice that much. Wow. And that's a lot of, for a lot a less, lot of bread. For a lot less volume and size. I mean, Napa County is way smaller. I just, you know. Well, everything, Sonoma, costs five, every, like, everything costs five hundred dollars. What's the tasting? Five hundred dollars. What's the bottle? Five hundred dollars. How much for the hotel? Five thousand dollars a night, right? I mean, just like those are inc- different, different uh, exponents. Yes. Different exponents. <laughs> yeah, I saw the new Stanley Hotel opened, and the minimum is twelve fifty a night. Wow. And it's like this is ridiculous. We used to stay at the Sonoma Mission Inn for like I don't know two eighty five, you know, right. something like that. But that's still pretty pricey, though. Yeah, oh, and, but and you go there looking also, now; it's like nine. Wow. Yeah. yeah. It's amazing. Everything has really gone. Even, even the Jack London uh, Lodge is two fifty on the weekdays and like three fifty four hundred for that you little motel. Pay extra for the rooms that aren't haunted, or you pay less for those. <laughs> the rooms that are closer to the bar. Yeah, yeah, that's the idea right there. That's the best bar in the country right now. So. Well, we always say like we. I stay in. I stay in the finest hotels, and I stay in the worst motels. So it's one day we could be at the. At the worst quality in. This is funny. I went to a gig at Peoria, Illinois the other day. Ouch. And I was doing a show. Exactly. Like, there's not much going on at Peoria. No, there's man. really not. I've been there. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I go in and we're playing for a radio station. And I'm sure he won't listen to this podcast. But the owner of the radio station picked me up, which is really nice. And then he dropped me off at the quality in. And my heart sank. Right. <laughs> and then I get so then the next morning he comes pick me up to come to do the noon drive time on the radio and he goes, Well, how was the hotel? And I'm 
I'm like, well, my mood has, has been shattered. <laughs> I mean, are you really asking me that? You know where you dropped me off with the fucking quality in, man. That's like, right. You me? Like, you're asking me how was it? I mean, how much did $79 buy you for me? <laughs> was, it, was it right next to the freeway? Pretty much. <laughs> well, there are those around, that's for sure. Lots of them up in Petaluma on 101, man. It's just lying with those places. Yeah. So, so uh, you know, I, I had a question. Well, first of all, I'm, I'm going to I posed this on my Instagram at one point. And um, does wine have a terroir? And, and I mean, does music have a terroir? Ooh. Right. So. So. And I guess my thinking is this Philly. You grew up in Philly. Your music to me, when I started listening to it, what I was attracted to was it was blues to me right at the heart of it um guy playing a guitar playing the harmonica that's what i fell in love with and your songwriting you know some serious some kind of with a, a, a fun spirit on it um and then recently with your most recent album you have those guys that are rat some rappers that you're working with right some uh, some hip-hop guys yeah but but you started doing that yourself i mean you were not a traditional you know um, Lightning Hopkins blues singer. I mean, you've always kind of, kind of wrapped into it and of your era, you know, I think your first album was 95, 94, 94. Yeah. Um, that's when hip hop was starting to take off. I mean, I kind of missed it because of, of just my age. Grew up in Petaluma. And I grew up in Petaluma. <laughs> right. Um, uh, a anyway, you know, how much of growing up in Philly was, has been an influence on your music and, um and the philly sound is legit right yeah, i mean yeah, yeah. um well if you were going to say what's the terroir of, of my music it would it obviously tastes like cheesesteaks <laughs> that's a good thing to taste like man <laughs> but yeah no i mean absolutely it's, it's such an interesting point um yeah you know we're we're certainly coming from you know grown out of uh my sound is, is definitely homegrown out of philadelphia and I always say that, like, it must be something in the water, <laughs> not the water, the water. My my <laughs> wife's Philly family is just like loving every minute of that. <laughs> but yeah, so it's um, but for sure, like every my music has everything to do with um, the, the time, you know, the year I was born, the time I grew up, the the place where I grew up and the culture that surrounded it. And um and in, in that way, it surely affected the, the taste and the flavor of the music that I bring. So so just to kind of like put that in perspective, there's uh, you, you ever read this book by Malcolm Gladwell, The Outliers? Yeah. So it's, it's a really interesting book because they talk about like what creates certain situations. For example, like uh, Bill Gates and Steve Jobs, right? They graduated high school within a year or two with, of each other and grew up uh, you know, very, very close proximity. So how did those two guys become two of the biggest names of, you know, earth moving figures in, in tech, right? And so on a different example, like put into my own sphere, and I graduated high school in 1991. So um, not to correct you, Bart, but like hip hop kind of came of age in more like 86. No, right? You're, you're right. I mean, I graduated in 1983. And I, I was, you know, I, I was focused on blues, um, a new, big, huge New Orleans, you know, influence right. and then country right. and, and, and stuff. And so 
I, so your generation kind of missed it because you were like correct you you were already kind of like in your listening to like whatever grateful dead rock and roll right the funky right. meters right the people that hip-hop were sampling right you know what i'm saying yeah because my drummer is same age as you right okay and and i worked with guys and and music was a big part of my my culture at work because it's what we it, everybody got to turn to play a, a sure. cassette or a cd right um and i worked with the younger guys and they would play hip-hop right and there was stuff that i knew that i could tolerate but there yeah. was some stuff i just couldn't deal with right but now i have a 15 year old son and that's what he listens to and i'm 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 learning more about the old stuff and then i'm also embracing a lot of the new stuff that he's into now um which so, is like totally different hip-hop than like the stuff i came up on totally different but yeah so so if we think about like so so our so how how old are you saying we're about the same age uh i'm a, I'm a little younger than you i was okay. i was born the year that Bart graduated from high school. Okay. Well, anyway, we like so, to remind our listeners. Right, so anyways, I <laughs> and I'm 72. Okay. <laughs> the year I'm, I was born. I'm a Beatles guy, man. <laughs> totally. So anyways, so like, so, so right. So I, I was kind of first I, generation. I've decided I'm a Stones guy. Okay. Like I, I've always kind of gone back and forth. Am I a Beatles guy or a Stones guy? I'm definitely at heart. I'm a Stones guy. It. Anyway, go back. So yeah. So like in, um, so I was, so I, so my generation was kind of first generation of kids that grew up on hip hop. Like people like Run DMC, LL Cool J, the Beastie Boys, right? So I was, you know, 13 to, or 12 to 18 when all this stuff was happening. So when I came of age, you know, we were the first generation of kids that, you know, came up with hip hop as our soundtrack to our youth, right? And now what are we gonna do with it? So if you look back to Philadelphia class of 1991, that's when I graduated. That's where 20 blocks away from where I graduated, the, the Roots, the Roots graduated. Right. And then over here in the West Coast, Beck is maybe a year or two older than us. So in 1994, when I got signed, the, our producer went all, went to California to take meetings with our demo. Right. And we, he came back. We said, well, how'd it go? He goes, well, not too good. Well, what do you mean? He goes, well, there's another white kid that plays guitar and raps. Well, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> well, what's his name? I don't know. Some guy named Beck, but he got the record deal and you didn't. <laughs> this is real. So like, so again, it brings back to like the outliers thing. It's like, it's the terroir, right? It's like the where you, so I grew up in Philadelphia, East Coast melting pot, right? I grew up in the center city. So I had friends of all cultures and all, you know, religions, all means, you know, and I was seeing every walk of life every day on, on South street, which is like, you know, the promenade street. And, um, yeah. And then the music kind of, when I figured out a way to put hip hop into my blues and the roots figured out a way to make live hip hop. And, you know, Beck was doing mm -hmm. his, Kind of artistic. Two turntables and a microphone. Yeah, that's what hit it for him, wasn't it? So yeah, yeah absolutely. Terroir, time and a place. Yeah, everything. Well, can we also talk about like what what I think your music um, really emphasizes and shows uh, is that the DNA and sort of like of hip hop and blues aren't that different, right? There's yeah. there's like rhythmically, yeah. there's a lot of similarities. Um, and just sort of, you know, you talk about terroir, like where that comes from and, and um, the history of that. It's like, you know, excuse the terrible force this into a wine podcast uh, analogy, but it's like, you know, you can take Pinot Noir and you can make champagne and you can take Pinot Noir and you can make red burgundy. You can take 
Pinot Noir and you make, you know, Sonoma Coast and it all has the same DNA, but totally expresses in a, in a different way. Like, I, you know, and maybe just like growing up because the music of Beck and G-Love and, and the roots are the things that I was listening to when I, when I was rebelling against my parents and not listening to the Grateful Dead. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, seriously? Seriously. No, seriously. Actually, to be perfectly honest, the first... Uh, me and my cousin who grew That's up awesome. in the wine, you know, the and Katuri winery, um, would trade back and forth um Snoop Dogg's doggy style on cassette and the my parents heard that like I, I fucked up and listened to it on the boombox <laughs> and not my headphones and they got pissed off. They were like ready to take that from you me. better put yeah. Jerry back yeah, on. Yeah, put right? Jerry back on. <laughs> and we need more more L S D in your music, kid. Um <laughs> but for me, like the similarities of of blues and hip hop, because that was what I was growing up with, are are um, it seems so. It seems like really visceral and and almost like obvious. Um, but I don't know if that was the case when you were first making your music. Yeah, no, I think it's such a good, great point. I mean, just quickly, like if I break down music histo- historically, when you think about blues being like this, uh, the major cultural music that's been developed in our country the plight of the uh of of black people um in our country and um and that how that's been appropriated and and taken into all type of popular music um and then you look at hip-hop which kind of uh was the this development of a brand new form of music which I can kind of look at if you look at it like a historic a historian kind of point of view. Uh, yeah. The, the, what's hip hop other than um, it's, it's, it's blues. It's, it's the, it's again, it's, it's made um, for the African-American community by the African-American community uh, in the, in the East coast cities. It, that's where it started in late seventies and early eighties. And then it, became such a huge force that now it's uh, been appropriated by every type of music, country music and on down, you yeah. know? So um, again, um, you see, this is a tr- hip hop's a true art form um, just like blues is. And so, and it's interesting cause now you're, you know, on 50 years into the development of that kind of music. So right. yeah. it's, 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 just, it's, if you look at it like that, you're, you're dead, you're dead on. Right. Well, it's, I mean, you, you got to look at like, Post Malone, who's the next generation is kind of like bringing those same sort of forces together, bringing a guitar on stage and and but still rapping and the, yeah, know, the whole deal. It's yeah. Super interesting. It, it's it's, yeah. it's crazy. Yeah. Vintage vintage variation, right? Yeah, it's like a, yeah. What's it called when you put like all different kind of great varietals into one wine? Right. Yeah. The Meritage. Yeah. The Cuvée. Yeah. The Cuvée. Well, there it is. Yeah. yeah. That's, yeah. that's right. what hip hop yeah. is. Yeah. <laughs> it's a beautiful blend. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. You know, you look back at blues that was invented here. Country yeah. was invented here. Hip hop, um, but look at look at what happened in in England in the '60s. How many bands came out of that little tiny country, and just took over music for a long time? Both Stones and the Beatles, and then Led Zeppelin and bands like that. Good lord! And they were talking about monsters. Playing the blues too, right? Yeah, right, exactly. that's exactly what they were doing. They're playing Willie yeah. Dixon with electric guitars. Yeah, that's it. Um, and they pushed pushed it forward into a, a new type of music, right? So that that's it's uh, 
it's just the power of music you know yeah. it's the power of music to cross uh all cultural lines and be the the kind of legit legitimately the one language in the world that uh you could probably yeah. argue that alcohol is the same thing uh one art one language in the world that everybody uh can understand but you know we we often ask our guests um what's the like their wine moment what's their like wine aha moment right and you know we, we talked a little about that wine was on the table what was your music aha moment what was that like that song that you heard or that artist that you saw that was like, oh, I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. This yeah, is like and, the way I want to go. Right. And and what was that first performance? Yeah, yeah that's that was John Hammond, um, who's nice. OK, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, John Hammond was uh, for any listeners that, that aren't familiar. He's he's a blues man. Uh, he he was from New York City, he is from New York City. And um, he uh, throughout his whole career has made a career of doing his mostly by and large his own renditions of blues songs. So how I how I found him was I was playing harmonica on the rack and acoustic guitar and doing my solo songwriting stuff. So I was really into Neil Young and Bob Dylan. Right. But then I went to open mic night and I saw other people were into that. Uh, and I said, oh, well, I got to keep pushing forward. So I went to the record store. I said, uh, does anybody play solo acoustic guitar with the harmonica rack other than Bob Dylan or Neil Young? They said, well, John Hammond. So I got this record. It was called Country Blues. And from the first, you know, it was, it was I think about it as one of those great epiphanies of my life. Like I put it on my Panasonic, you know, record player and side A, John Hammond's performance of Statesboro Blues. And it was like oh, the sky opened up. And that was the sound I was looking for. And then because John, uh, you know, his career, even though he influenced everybody from Jimi Hendrix to Eric Clapton to Bob Dylan to his band was the band, right? right? A lot of that major success that some of his, you know, friends have enjoyed had escaped him. So he playing like the coffee house and a bar so at a young age, I could go see him, and I could actually get to meet him. And when I when you see John Hammond play, the, he's like a tornado. Like the, that one man performance is unbelievable. Him stopping his foot, playing the harmonica on the rack, and playing this authentic Delta blues in his own style. And that was it. That was that was me. That was my aha moment. That was great story. Totally not even like anywhere in the universe of where i expected that answer to go to that's right <laughs> I yeah, yeah, that's great but back to the stones though I, I, I will tell you uh my mother took me to exile on main street tour in 1972 when i was born really or when i was when she was pregnant right uh-huh. <laughs> right. definitely felt the beat i'm felt sure felt the beat hey they're still playing joan my wife just saw him last week in uh, hyde park oh, and it, she said it was phenomenal they played twice and elton john did his last concert and uh, so he, he's, he's uh, out, I guess. You like, know what? I saw with El- the Stones. No, but he was one night, then the Stones oh, played, I gotcha. then the Eagles wow. played, oh, and then the Stones God. played again. So it was quite the weekend over July Fourth. I, 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 but in England, in Hyde Park. 
So, yeah. I mean, it was just it was just July Fourth. It, it was it was, it was not, not it was not July. the Fourth of July. <laughs> We're not right? celebrating that. <laughs> I, well, I don't know, if I was England right now, I'd probably celebrate like we got well, rid of those. It's only 104 <laughs> right there now. So you know, you talk about weather, man. Weather in Europe right now is insane. I wonder how it's affecting the crops wow. because 104, 106 in Paris, 102. Well, what about yesterday? the wildfires in Bordeaux? Oh yeah, Bordeaux. yeah, yeah I mean, it's on fire. Um, not in like a. Uh, any sort of revenge or come up and sort of, but yeah, that, it's very likely that there will be producers in Europe who are going to deal with this vintage, what we've dealt with in the last seven years, which is, is smoke. And, you know, we'll be, we'll be imparting what we've learned in the last five or seven years in the same way that, you know, we look, we've looked to, you know, Australia and other places previously that have more experience with it it's it's um well can you explain it so the smoke yeah. gets into the taste that yes yeah really so, so and that's are, bad i mean taint. is there any is there anything good. good about that no it's ashtray not barbecue. it's, it's ashtray not barbecue <laughs> yeah that's a great way of putting okay. it um there, there are compounds in smoke that bind with sugars um in the grapes and particularly in the skins um and can and they make the ta wine taste bad the scary thing about it from a producer standpoint is um it doesn't all show up at once wow. there's some that is free that you can taste but there's also some that um will break down after the wine's been in a bottle for a while so you can have a bottle of wine that tastes pretty good mm. uh, and then maybe in five years somebody opens it and goes yeah this kind of tastes like I smoked too many cigarettes at the bar last night, and oh, boy, the inside of your mouth tastes like you know. Uh, well, think of Bordeaux. Think of those wildfires that are going on down there, and they've got—I mean, that's probably the largest grape region in. It is the in, largest in, grape region in the world, I think. There you um, go. Imagine that. The yeah. only you know the the saving grace for them, and I don't know exactly where they are in their um, growing season, but it seems like preverasion might not be as big of an issue as postverasion. So Do you know Verasian? I, I don't. When they turn colors, yeah. When the, when uh, the grapes yeah. start turning purple, it's, it's actually it's a beautiful uh, it's a beautiful word. The the French roots of Verasian talk about um, it's like ver is truth. Mm. So it's the the grapes sort of turning to their true form mm. um, as they go from green to purple or green to you know soft and yellow for white grapes. Uh, but yeah, that's what kind of where we're at right now is. Those things are starting to happen. So if you go walk in a vineyard, you know, when you're down in Paso or up here, um, you know, fifty percent, thirty percent, seventy percent of the grapes will have started to turn purple. And so, like, so you you just mentioned in Australia, like, what were they doing to mitigate the uh, smoke uh, damage? <laughs> I, I mean, or is there what can you do? Can you, you walk? Can't, you can't. You can't really. You can't. I mean, there's people who are working on things. More, it's about finding it, being able to identify it. And so that you don't waste your time producing, right. like yeah, exactly. developing those grapes into yeah. one. Yeah. So you would just scrap that whole crop. Either leave it out there, or you make one. You make it, and then you find it, and then you bulk it out to something so giant that it doesn't matter. Like two or, buck chuck. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, literally, yeah, like, exactly. like literally, what exactly. Sam was saying earlier about the the amount of wine that's made here in Sonoma or Napa County compared to in the state of California, like. We're a grain of sand on the beach, wow. like my okay. winery or Sam's right. winery, okay. right? So, you know, even if you're a thousand grains of Sam, you know, it doesn't take much to bury it for one of those big companies that will leave unmade. Have you ever lost a whole vintage? 
whole vintage of a wine. Yeah, yeah. of a wine. Really? I mean, yeah. you know, 2020, we yeah, made can... extra rosé because you can make rosé and kind of like, because it's in the skins more than anything, so you can make rosé and kind of keep it off the skins. We made white wine and we made one red wine. Uh, other than that, what we made of 2020, which was very little, we've scrapped. Because since then you've opened the bottles and it's not up to uh, what you're standing. We haven't even we didn't even bottle it. We could oh, tell in, okay. in in barrel. So the, what what's that like as a as a as a winemaker? Like that's just I mean that that's like if you go through the process of writing a record and recording the record or whatever, and then this sucks. I'm not putting. I mean, it's a lot of time. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's, um, and more than that, like ho- aspirations, hopes, and dreams. Right? Yeah, right. you. <laughs> well, and, and, money, and, and, and money, money, and money, right? and, 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 and not to, and and not to. I mean, writing, doing an album. You know, you can change, you can evolve it, you can rework the songs. I don't know. I've never written a song, but I'm yeah. thinking, right? Okay, like yeah. you have something about the song you love. And you and you maybe shelve it and you come back to it, right? I, I I imagine you don't get the chance to do that with a wine, right? Like it's a decision you have to deal with it because it costs you money to sit on it, and um, and then the next year there's more wine coming. You can't polish a turd. You can't polish yeah, a turd. Can't. There's nothing once it's once it's been it's, tried. Yeah. <laughs> and that's something you fall into, but like with records a lot. Yeah. Like if you have, exactly. like if you're trying to make a record, and it's just the same from the studio, like. Yeah, like you do end up spending a lot of time some sometimes trying to polish a turd. Like for instance, you pick the wrong if you don't get a good like basic track to work from, it doesn't right, it doesn't matter how much you polish it or right. nice it up, you're still working with a piece of shit. Right. And you know, and <laughs> just like with that, if you can't when it comes to the wine, if you can't get it to a place where you would want somebody to go, oh, that's a that's G-Love nice. song that's a 16600 oh. wine you're not going right. to release it right 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 it's just a, whatever it's not worth just having it for the sake of having it so i mean that's the from from the winemaker standpoint for us you know the the quality of the brand matters more than any you know don't tell my accountant matters more than any like financial decision <laughs> uh, right. and, then, and, and then the other thing that goes sorry yeah. sam the other thing that goes along with this is so you were with a major label at one point, right? I mean, yeah. now you're your own. Are you your own label now? Yes. Okay. Kind so you of. were with a major yeah. label at some point, and there's pressures there, right? And the and the music sure. business has changed immensely since you've got in it, right? Sure. Um, but there's pressures like you sometimes you got to polish the turd because you got to put out an album, right? Or you there, know, you've made promises or whatever, um, and that's the big corporate winery. Right. Like okay. they, they have, to fill, they the have to fill the quota because right. if they don't deliver something, there's not something on the shelf. Well, guess what? The other corporate winery is going to fill the shelf for them. So, um, so it, I mean, again, trying to make this a, a wine a music wine podcast, music podcast. <laughs> really, really, we just wanted to geek out on music for an hour and a half and put it on their own podcast, but we'll find ways to bring it back around. <laughs> Sam, what are you serving today? Uh, so I started off with <laughs> the winemakers, the hit makers. Um, uh, start, we started with the new vintage of the Adutet Rosé. Delicious. Uh, 2021. Thank you. Mm. Um, you know, we, we didn't make it in 20 because it's a wine that has skin contact in the beginning of its of its life. And we didn't want to take that risk. Oh, wow. Um, well, I was trying to explain earlier the, what yeah. you had done with Adutet. Yeah. You know, the whole concept behind it's it. It's a, you know, it's a just like 
the you know the music business just like what happens when you plug g love into apple music or spotify um what i've discovered in the last few days doing research um you know you, you have songs that you did and you have songs that you did with with other artists and it's like featuring or it's a collab or you come up with a whole new name for uh, a group because it's two different you know two buddies get together that's kind of what this is is uh my dad and this guy named philippe combi who's um the the god of Grenache, um, mm. the the like one of the biggest consultants of the Southern Rhone, um, you know, made everybody's Grenache really really pop. Mm. Um, you know, Philippe came here, saw vineyards that we were farming that my dad was farming, and said, you know, I want to make want to make wine with you. So this is this collaboration with um, you know with our friends in in the Rhone Valley. So our grapes, their their protocol, their winemaking, wow. um, to sort of see what what their methods right. do to, to our terroir. And, oh, and yeah. as we say, since you're a Pinot lover, that um, we always say that Grenache is what Pinot someday, someday hopes to grow up into. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. So, well, I'm so enjoying we'll, we'll it. It's, it's delicious. Yeah, it's I think the, the red that I just poured for you is our, uh, um, it's a Mavedra Syrah blend mm. um, called the Odellini Homage. And this is uh, a property owned by uh, property is the Rossi Ranch, which is where my parents met. Picking Carlo grapes. Rossi. Uh, different. It's, it turns out Rossi is like Smith in a per- certain part of Italy. Okay. Um, although as is Carlo, as is Carlo, <laughs> right? <laughs> Charlie Smith. Um, <laughs> and so the Rossi Ranch, the Sonoma version of the Rossi Ranch, was planted in like 1910. Uh, my parents met there picking grapes in the in 77. Wow. Um, and so we still f- get to farm there and make wine from there. So this is um, the Odellinis are the family that owns it now. So this is our little tribute to them. Your uh, whole life is drenched in wine. Every, every, That's I, amazing. I, I tried to like That's do other things with my life and I think you know, I was still the wine down. guy. That should be a song. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, now you're going to give me a big head. <laughs> well, just remember. You said it, but I sung it. Right, exactly. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, speaking of collaborations, what kind of collaborations have you done and what are, what have been your favorites? Well, I'm all about collaborations, John. Like, um, it's to me, it's like it's the, the collaborations are like the chance to like learn something and and show something, right? And and also just like make a connection. Um, but yeah, I've I've the last 20 years of making records have been a lot of a lot of collaborations um, and with people with all musicians and all different types of music. Uh, my latest record is definitely a collaborative record. Uh, the record's called Philadelphia, Mississippi, and it was all about like this kind of pilgrimage to Mississippi to which, you know, uh, is the birthplace of the Delta blues and the Hill country blues and, um, and, and kind of, we wanted to go down there and kind of immerse ourselves into the culture and, and collaborate with, uh, both like old time blues artists and some of the emerging blues men and women that are coming up right now, like people that are in their early twenties and teens, even that are just, you want to say carrying the torch, but, but just like, it's just, it's so authentic, but so current. And, uh, people like, uh, Chris Stone, Kingfish Ingram, uh, John Tavius Willis, um, Jackson from Southern Avenue. Uh, and then there's all these descendants from like, uh, 
Camp Kimbrough, who was Junior Kimbrough's um, grandson, a woman named Shardy Thomas, who's Othar Turner, the Blues Fife master, his granddaughter. Uh, and then there, it was produced by Luther Dickinson, whose father, Jim Dickinson, um, actually produced our second record in 1995. This record was all about us going down there, bringing what we have done with the, the blues, which we call hip hop blues, taking it down to the source and diving in, you know what I mean? And, and then it, it's a, it's a great it's, album. It's I mean, really I've, cool. I've, since this has been going on, I've really kind of dug into it yeah. and, um, it's, it's really enjoyable. It's really cool. I appreciate it. Yeah. This, this is, um, you know, this is the follow up. My last record was called G love the juice. That was my first Grammy nomination. Yeah. So, um, we got the Grammy nomination for, <laughs> for the uh, contemporary blues album of the year. So that was interesting for me because, uh, finally really found a lane uh stylistically that works for me contemporary blues meaning we're taking the blues and pushing it wherever we can push it and so we hope to really be a contender for the grammy win for for that this year did did you did you know did you feel that that was coming or did that catch you off guard how did you find out about that i mean denomination yeah oh yeah no that was completely off guard it was in the depths of covid we're we're like down in uh florida uh at my parents house my wife was cutting my hair on the uh, back patio, which I'm sure everybody <laughs> yeah. hasn't been to a barbershop in like years. Uh, my wife started cutting my hair since COVID. And um, and so she's cutting my hair and uh, we're playing not we're on a tour, but just the people's backyards, not playing any venues. Um, and uh, my manager texts me, says, I think you got a Grammy nomination. I said, no. I text him back. I said, no, we're eligible for a Grammy nomination. He goes, no, I think you might've got one. Hold on. Let me check. And then I was, excuse me. I was like, what, what is he talking about? Then all of a sudden my phone started blowing up. Congratulations. I said, Oh my God. I started crying. Like, cool. It couldn't, couldn't have been further away from, you know, the music business, um, the most iconic platform, which is the, you know, the recording Academy. And we finally got the look. Of course, that was the year that the Grammys was canceled. <laughs> No party to go to. But I mean, it also had to be super rewarding in that it was, it wasn't, I mean, a lot of times that happens to people that they're a new artist that comes out, they get the Grammy nomination. Right, right. I mean, you've been working hard at this for a long time to get it now. It's got to be inspiring and, and motivating. Yeah, I'm sure it's just like you guys, if if you, or I don't know if you have, or if, if you get an award for, for the wine that you produce, I mean... It's like part of you doesn't really care because right. you're doing your thing and it's your passion. It's your true love and everything like that. But there's also the part of you that like really would love that notoriety and to get the accolades and just to get that respect. And that's that's how I felt like if I never got that, I'm, I'm the happiest I am when I'm writing songs and performing for people. And so that's the main thing. But certainly it was like a huge you know, it was a big deal for me to like get that kind of accolade. That's and, awesome. Yeah. And now I want the win, man. Right. Yeah. Exactly. When, when you actually get to go to <laughs> yeah. the show too, right? Well, you know, you get to go to the show as, as, a, as a nominee, but um, like Ke Keb Mo, who produced the yep. last record, he goes, when I told him, I was like, holy shit, Keb, you know, like, yeah. Keb, we got, we got the nomination. Cause he, 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 of course he's won like, you know, five or six <laughs> and has probably got nominated like 20 times. And he's like, now look, I just want to tell you something. I don't want you to get your feelings hurt. This is just a nomination. When now it goes to, you know, 
there's a lot of good people in your category. Just be happy with this. I said, man, I'm happy if this is all I get, bro. <laughs> you know, you hear about how much the music industry has changed. How's it changing for the bad and how's it changing for the good? And what do you tell up and coming young uh, musicians? Yeah, I mean, the thing that just popped into my mind right now, John, is NFTs. And um, actually, just on a side note, when we walked into the uh, 1600, 16, 600 tasting house here, um, was all the artwork by Stanley Mouse, who, if people don't know, did a lot of the artwork for the Grateful Dead posters, right? Yeah, exactly. So actually, he's doing an NFT series, which I'm involved in because there's a lot of collaborations in his NFT. But anyhow, the reason I say NFT is because I think what we're about to witness, and I know there's imp implications in the wine industry with NFTs, because Bart and I were just talking about uh, uh, Burgundy collectors on the way over here. Um, but um, yeah, like, so NFTs, well, what are they? Just a quick crash course. And, and, and how did it, how did you work it into your latest release? So if we think about NFTs, we think about collectibles, whether you collect wine or as a kid, you collected comic books or you collect watches or whatever it is you collect. Uh, you collect them because you, you love them, you love to look at them, and you also tell your wife or your parents, oh, this is going to be worth a lot of money someday. <laughs> I'm buying this wine because it's going to be worth a lot of money someday, more than I pay for it, right? And that sometimes is true and sometimes it isn't. Uh, but so NFTs are, in that sense are collectibles, but they're also like uh, can be used as authentication uh, implications, which I think is what we'll see with a lot of the wine collectors yeah. and also everything else I mentioned. If you If you buy a... Jeroboam of 16600 uh, with the Stanley Mouse logo and that's got a um, the authentication will be on the blockchain right yeah. so that when that wine transfers hands in 20 years along with it will go the digital imprint of that bottle right so anyhow has it pertain to my music well um, I, I released my latest record Philadelphia Music Philadelphia Mississippi as an NFT uh, which means that the, the 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 unique copy that say Sam bought uh, of the NFT version is is a unique you know kind of piece of software or code that lives on the blockchain that's unique to his purchase that he can later that he owns and now can sell and in perpetuity I will get a small percentage two to ten percent of that royalty so this is an interesting thing too so now if we look at the music industry which has completely dissolved since 2001 and since you know digital piracy and now streaming yeah. um no one buys records just a quick example like uh my first record has sold um you know nine hundred thousand records right my new record um just charted number one on the blues charts when it dropped and i've sold 750 records <laughs> okay so no you, wow. you don't need, no one buys physical records or even buys like a digital copy of the record, right? You listen on Spotify, you listen to your Apple Music subscription. So um, if we think about, I'm not trying to say Spotify or Apple Music are the evil guys, but I'm saying artists don't get paid. If you wanted to really support an artist that you love, you should buy like their vinyl that they're selling at their yeah. show or the NFT. Like my deal with our NFT host, which is Yellowheart, uh, I, I get 90% of all the sales they get 10%. So this is like unheard of 
in the music industry, which historically has just done everything to rape and pillage artists since its very inception. Um, so I think what we're about to see is the second great pantsing of the music business if we look back to 2001 when Napster came along, right? And quote, digital piracy, right? And uh, that sunk the music industry. You know, billions and billions and billions of dollars of revenue were lost. Uh, major labels shut down. Everything consolidated. And um, so it's interesting. Um, so for me, you know, I'm just trying to delve into that new tech uh, with an old sound and um, kind of participate. Because like I say about all things on the blockchain right now, whether you're like interested in cryptocurrency or NFTs, like if you're participating right now, then you're somewhat of an early adopter, you know? Um, it's just like uh, when email came along and you might've asked somebody, well, why would you send an email when you can just send a letter? Right. I asked that question, right? <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, so this is just, it's just like anything else new. It's, it's going to take a while, but it'll catch on. And then, if we come back here five years from now, I'm sure like we'll all be looking at NFTs in a different way as far as authentication for your industry and my industry. Yeah. yeah. We should come back in less than five years and have a party with you and Stanley. <laughs> That's what I want to do. Yeah. yeah. Now there's a good idea, <laughs> right? Sam. Put those, those two guys together. NFT stands for good time, doesn't it? It does. <laughs> a non-fungible token, right? Isn't yeah. That what, isn't that what we'll we're... have some fungible tokens there, too, I think, if it's, if it's anything that I know about our parties. Maybe chocolate flavor. Yeah. <laughs> uh, can, what, what's up with the... So the tour you're on right now, you're with... Um, OAR, OAR and, and Dispatch. Dispatch. Yeah, so this is like... This is cool. It's... Um, it was like the longest tour I've ever been on consecutively for like over two months uh, out without going home because usually we're three to five weeks and then you go home for a little break. But yeah, we're out. Um, so I'm supporting uh, Dispatch and OAR, who are co-headlining. I'm supporting Solo Acoustic. So uh, yeah, I get up and do my uh, do my 30-minute set and I get the whole family out with me and... Um, yeah, it's it's kind of an easy gig. Although I, I, the only thing hard about this gig is that I like to play. Right. So thirty minutes for me is like I don't know, just kind enough of to get warmed up. Yeah. Yeah, it's like that. It's just like the one glass. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just you need. Yeah, you need legs. Yeah, exactly. Like forty-five minutes would be a little bit more. So it's like if if you're a football fan, you know the hurry up offense. Like the first fifteen minutes of my set, I'm, you know, kind of enjoying it and then i look up at the clock holy shit i didn't even play a hit yet <laughs> i got 10 minutes left oh my god so so how many more spots are you on the tour this tour yeah you're no we're the, we're in the first week oh you're in the, this is just starting off yeah this is right. the fourth or fifth show tonight okay yeah so so for folks who are listening all over the country where to some places they can uh, go see you? Yeah, we're going to be everywhere Every, in the whole everywhere. country. Okay. Um, the tour started on Jan, I'm sorry, July 15th in Arizona, and it ends in Texas on September 10th. Oh, damn. So you are out for a while. Yeah, yeah we'll be East Coast, West Coast, yeah. you know, Midwest. If you want to find out, um, you can go just on any of our socials, uh, Twitter at glove at G love and special sauce on Facebook, Philly G love on Instagram and Philadelphonic.com. 
Philadelphia. Yeah, for the tour dates and stuff. Yeah, I mean they they, they are there. Um, Where, where's like where's Dan Bixby gonna go see G Love? Uh, well, he's gonna see him in Namba. In Namba, yeah, that's okay. that's Boise. Yeah, are um, they making yeah. wine out there yet? They're working on it. They're working good, on it. Good, yeah, they're working on it. Good friends. Yeah. This, this is we got good friends of what? We're calling out listeners. some calling out some oh, listeners okay. right now. Oh, okay, cool, cool. All right. How about uh, uh, Kansas City? How about, how about Milwaukee? Missouri, we got a, what Memphis, we got in St. Louis. Uh, you know what? I didn't think I saw St. Louis. Yep. All right. St. Louis Music Park. Got to see Roger all, Randall. All, all these guys who listen, they're like the they're close friends. Okay. And they come out here for vacation, and then they come over here, and we get them on the podcast, and it's it's all a complete circle, man. They yeah, just they, cool. they listen for us to say their names every once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's all okay. We we love these guys, man. They're our listeners. Yeah, that's no, what makes, absolutely. That's what makes the show, man. Yeah. When you know people are listening, right? And you've got to be the same way. Audiences have to be the biggest thing in your life, for sure. I yeah. mean, it's. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but like, I always, I always have that thing. It's kind of like if you're gonna have a party at your house, and then you got everything all set up. Is anybody gonna come? Right. Five minutes before, like nobody's here yet. <laughs> no one's here yet. <laughs> It's kind of like that. I feel like every night of my life on stage, like I'm in the bus or the hotel. Like, is anybody? What's the vibe? Is anybody there? Yeah, you're sold out. Are you sure? <laughs> Some nights it's not sold out, but that's always what you like to hear. Like, yeah, it's sold out. Okay, great. Yeah, but you're all, you know. But that being said, you never like take it for granted. Um, Especially the more time goes on and the more cognizant of, that you are that like, wow, now I'm old as fuck. And, you know, I got three kids and we definitely don't do shit like and now our fan base is that, too. So if they're going to go out to a show. They got to get a babysitter. Yep, right? right. They got to get an Uber. They got to, you know, it's a big production. And uh, so you just, you know, you you're really thankful for every person that comes out. And then I always say during covid sure you guys all been to a gig where you heard the band say, you know, without you, there'd be no us. Right. And that was like, kind of like, I always felt like a throwaway line. I mean, everybody, it's a beautiful sentiment, but the bottom line is that during COVID when, you know, you know, gatherings were, weren't, weren't allowed, then you realize, wow, without them, there really is no us because we're, we can't do anything. Right. right. So you yeah. play at home in your living room. You play at home in your living and room. You can put it online. But then you still need those people to tune in. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, it, the fans are everything, and, and they've perpetuated my whole career. You know, against all odds, without like the support of, you know, the fans, like that, that would there would be nothing. So, are you um, working on the next album already? <laughs> I mean, I just did. You sound like you a, see me right. write the song, man? <laughs> what did I say? Drenched in wine, right? That's, yeah. So yeah, I'll kind of always jot I mean, it. Always, right? Well, that's like a big part of the process. And like you talked about the Stones earlier, but I don't know if you read that uh, Keith Richards autobiography. Do you guys yeah, read that? It's really awesome. If you haven't read, it's a great book, Keith Richards autobiography. And one of the things he talks about is songwriting, just like just being like a sponge, just like staying open. And like always listening. So when someone says something good like that, like you just said, I write it down. All right. I think I you said, said it. Yeah. I'm, you said it. But it was, you brought it out. Of me. Right. It was just, it's just my, it was my life. I didn't even know how drenched my wine, how drenched in wine my life was until you but said yeah, it. Like, you now know, I know. Yeah. Like <laughs> that's so what whenever, does, whenever it's you. dropping some cool little one liner, it's like low hanging fruit, right? I can't get no satisfaction. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, totally. Keep reaching. <laughs> well, it's just, it's right there. All you have to do is open your antenna, right, right, man. Right, right. That's right. Sponge. That's what he says. Yeah. There is an antenna. Yeah. So, yeah. So kind of always in that sense, working on the next thing. Um, yeah. Stay present. Yeah. Right. That's right. Yeah. Cool. Well, Sam, you got anything else for him? I don't think so. This has been a blast. This yeah. has been really yeah. fun. I really totally. appreciate you. Coming we should on. have a music podcast. <laughs> Barely get together a wine podcast. Right. Let's not get too ahead of ourselves. <laughs> I do. Oh yeah, you do. It's yeah. called <laughs> it's called Pirate Radio <laughs> every Saturday, ksby.org around the world, man. Okay, which is really cool. You talk about audiences. When I'm getting texts from listeners, I can go to 14 states and two countries, and I'm really wow. happy. If I don't hear from anybody, it's like oh shit, man. Was anybody listening today at all right, Saturday right. afternoon? Yeah, you know, I can count on Sam if he's in the car on a Saturday afternoon. He goes. Who's playing The Grateful mm-hmm. Dead? Oh, yeah, right. John. You turn on the radio and like, wait, why is that song on the radio? Oh, John. It's Saturday at 1 o'clock. <laughs> oh, yeah. Been doing that out here for the last 12 years. Oh, I love a, it. It's a blast. Every, Maybe we'll get some Saturday. G-Love on, in the playlist on Absolutely, come Saturday. Man, that's the yeah. idea. I just learned a new guy from uh, uh, Minneapolis, Mark Cameron Band. He's got like 10 albums out, and wow. they're all really good. He's a blues band. Wow. And he keeps coming up with interesting new stuff which is kind of amazing to me but a listener sent it to me and now i'm playing it so this is how things that's really cool yeah good listeners man it's really fun it's all once again it's all about the audience man it's like here look at when we used to talk to 500 people right and then we jumped we really jumped and when you look at it now i mean my god we're we're heading to a, a million listeners wow which is really cool that's amazing it makes it so good and when we hear somebody else i forget who it was just last week maybe talking about how much of an impact we do have out there oh it was chris cottrell yeah. when he was wow. when he, he here's a, a winemaker from town here who's literally oh, just a fountain of knowledge it's so fascinating to talk to the guy and uh but he was out in st louis and we've got a lot of listeners there, and they come to see him, and they talk about us, and that's the way it all grows. And it makes a perfect, perfect situation. It was crazy. I was in Walla Walla last week. First of all, there's a record store in Walla Walla called Hot Poop, and dude, Hot Poop, Hot Poop and and they're big G Love fans there. Okay. Um, so if you ever make it to Walla Walla, you gotta go check out Hot Poop. Uh, Hot Poop. It's the, the Walla Walla Bing Bang. That's what they call themselves. Wow. Um, everywhere I went, I mean, I was there for a wine thing, and and so it's a wine crowd, but people are like, oh. I, th- I think I met you before. I was like, oh, no, I've never been here. <laughs> and like, oh, no, it's your voice. It's the wow. podcast. People podcast. are listening to the podcast all that's, over. So it's, yeah, it's, it's cool. That's the, it's totally the gratifying part. hundred percent. So now how well, cause, cause the, the podcast is wine centric. Yeah. 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 So this, 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 uh, episode is a little bit totally off to the side. We're usually, we're drinking wine. When we're on, when we're, when, yeah, when we're off topic, we're on brand. So I well, think we're, we're, you gotta, you gotta check out my song called drinking wine. We, I, I listened to it this I, morning. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I sent it around. Um, oh no. Uh, we you're, you're riding in a car playing guitar. I should have made harmonica. I should have asked you to bring a guitar. You know, I was going to well, say, I but, you were, I, we've gotten, I, we got I, Marty, Marty who works in the tasting room here is also touring accomplished musician so i said well shit if if he really shows up with a guitar let's make it look like we know what we're doing so we got marty brought in some microphones oh, over there damn, for all you, you had to do was say something well, right. when, when next time yeah yeah we'll do it we'll do it next time you're gonna be back through and um yeah we'll for sure do it show up for the wine and then we'll 
have a show at the same time. I love it. Yeah. What about uh, Bottle Rock? I haven't played that yet. That's a huge it's thing a in this deal. area, right? It's a big I mean, deal. Yeah, they've been really making it, and they're going to do another one now. The same people are doing one in Sonoma. Yeah, well, they took October, over the it's right. the, the, the Fall Kong. Music Festival. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so there's definitely, like, I mean, and actually, maybe this is the question that we should end this on, because um, you a guy who likes to drink wine, make music. <laughs> the the <laughs> Obviously, the pairing is, is a thing, but people ask us all the time, especially with our brand, um, to like pair songs with music Ooh. i mean pair songs with with, with wine and um so let, maybe let's That's let's, awesome. let's end on this a little bit like you know if you're thinking about a wine and a song what are the things that you would look for to like pair those two i mean it's a, it's a references whatever but like a song and a, and a wine what would be your like wine and song pairing method and then maybe an example well i would say like i guess the playlist can't be too long right right because you you can't have like fifteen glasses of wine. Well, if you got if you got fifteen <laughs> friends, it depends on how it depends on your pore size too, right? <laughs> exactly. No, I mean I well, yeah, I mean I guess it's like anything else. Like if you're gonna pair wine with food, like you know you're trying to find a perfect vibe. So you know, obviously that's your taste bud vibes, but the music vibes we can really work that out. If it's a dark kind of song, we're gonna go with something bigger and deeper. If we're gonna go with something you know fun sunny we're gonna go with that that rose we started out with yeah Yeah, so like that you know i mean i think that there's a lot of a lot of imagery we can go yeah all right so maybe our our listener challenge this week we've never done one before so let's let's call it this week (laughs) uh when you're listening to the show and you find a g love song that you love there you go what wine are you gonna open with it put it on put it on instagram i love that tag us yeah tag philly g love yeah and uh We'll see where we go. I love that. Yeah. And get out and see. Go see some fucking see live some music. Live music. Yeah. 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 BYOB. Yeah. BYOB. Exactly. <laughs> right. However you have At to least get if, it. whether it's the parking lot or whatever. That's why I got well, this Yeti. You, yeah, should exactly. see, you should see this thing in the airport, man, full of Chardonnay from the Delta Lounge. <laughs> you know, I went out to see David Aguilar's band right. at uh, Sonoma Mission Inn the other night. Okay. Yeah. Just out He's in wonderful. a night... In, in the shade it's Local really friend. really nice great he plays with big brother and the holding company now and they played with norton buffalo local guy here and you know it's just it's quite nice they've, they've really put together a great band and they play all over town i just like going seeing them. i just like getting out and seeing live music that's it what, what is it about live music that that uh it makes you feel good yeah it's therapy yeah music therapy but I, but, but but why not just uh listen to it at home I'm just, I mean, you, you want to be with friends. That's it. It's a community thing, yeah. right? Yeah. So, you know, the, the first time I, I'm sorry, I'm just curious. What if you don't know anybody? I have an LSD drenched, um, my life drenched LSD version of why this matters. Why? Uh, um, talking about like truly the way you know, coming from, especially like an acoustic guitar or a drum that the way the, because we're all waves, we're all like electric waves, right? The sound waves, as they hit you coming from a real instrument in real time in person, um, rearranges the way you feel on a from a molecular way on all the way up. Wow. Um, and, you know, alcohol, wine does the same thing, right? And, and if it has um, real connection, if it has a, a sense of place, if it's, if it's authentic, whether it's wine or it's music, 
the way that those molecules get rearranged makes you feel really good. Um, so there we go. My life drenched in LSD. <laughs> the, 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 the first time I ever saw you, I knew about your music before. The first time I saw you was at South by Southwest. Oh, okay. And you were playing at the top, like the top floor of a, you know, weird hotel. You know how South by how there's, yeah, who knows yeah. where you end up right. at, right? Yeah. And you were there playing your gas can guitar. Okay. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. And that, I guess my point is, is that experience and you could feel that instrument standing, you know, we we're this far apart. There weren't that many people. Um, and it, it changes, it changes the it changes in how you understand the music. You can listen to it all you want at home. Um, but until you're there and you feel it, I don't know. I think, I think that's what it's all about. It's all about the live music. Yeah. I just was kind of interested in, in asking about that just from a performer's point of view. I know why I love to play music and, Again, it just comes back to that fans or just the listeners, I should say, the supporters of live music and what is it culturally that uh, that draws people to live music. And it's obviously been going on since the, the beginning of mankind. Absolutely. Yeah. Back, back in, the, in the courts in England and back, you know, when whenever when society got together right. and they decided we like this and we're going to pay. We'll have, we'll, we'll pay your way. Right. And you just come here, you write music. Right. You're our guy. That's it. Think of Mozart. You know? Yeah. Amazing. It's, it's well, That's what I'm, you need I'm is a, to be, a patron. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's music is a, a blessing as is wine. And uh, so thank you guys so much for Absolutely, having, man. What having me here music. today. Thanks for coming. Yeah. Thanks. Keep it, keep rolling. Yeah. <laughs> Any shout outs, Sam? Uh, I mean, I kind of worked the shout out. Know, big okay. shout out to to Walla Walla, um, the hot, Walla Walla hot, hot Wine poop. Alliance, Hot Poop. Um, I was up there with uh, Hawk Waka Waka. Oh, good. And uh, Anthony Yant from from Denner, a great place down in Paso, actually. Um, they put us up. They put on a great event. We had a great panel. Um, the wines from up there are super interesting, super intriguing, delicious, and and especially the rocks. Like it doesn't matter what you're tasting, who made it, uh, even what the variety is. You stick your nose in a, a glass of the Rocks District wine. We had, uh, you know, we had Young Brooke, uh, yes, Brooke, yes. Brooke Dumas Robertson, who I That's spent some time with. Those wines just like they stand out, and you know whether whether you you know that's your thing or not. It doesn't really matter, but you know, like you listen to a song and you're like, that's a sound that is totally distinctive. Those are wines that are totally distinctive. Right. So that was mm -hmm. cool. I had a great time. Shout out to Bart. Walla. Um, I, I don't have anything right now. All right. Um, you know, uh, spend some time out in the vineyards um, trying to, you know, get a plan together. Uh, wish that the weather wasn't so hot because I'd love to be shipping wine. But well, it is on that it note, is. you know, don't you can't buy Bart's wine right now, but you can buy cans. <laughs> we'll ship cans all summer long. <laughs> 60. Sorry to just. Wow. Oh, ouch, man. Well, thanks, everybody. Cold, for listening. cold chain, cold chain <laughs> or buy some cans. <laughs> As always, we love you guys. Thanks for being our audience. And, and thanks for listening. Yeah. It's really appreciated. Without you, we're nothing. Wait, isn't That's that what right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, <laughs> talk to you next yeah, week. And, and more than anything else, listen to more G-Love. There you go. All right.